0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. So today uh, we are wrapping up part three of this series that we've been in called Easter Eggs. And if you're here going, man, what in the world are Easter Eggs and why are we talking about them in church? Well, Easter Eggs is a movie term uh, as well as, again, a term that sort of is used around Easter, but Easter Eggs is a movie term. And uh, what, what the term Easter egg is used for is it's a, it's a foreshadowing or it's something that in the moment sort of seems uh, not that important, but it actually plays a, a bigger part of the story later and you might have missed it if you weren't paying attention. Uh, an Easter egg can also just be a, a little glimpse of something that's, that's fun and unique that happens to show up in an in a, in a, in a, in a inopportune time or in a time that wouldn't be expected. And we've been illustrating that the last couple of weeks by looking at a couple of our favorite movies in my house uh, from Pixar and Disney because they're so good at this. So the first week of the series, we talked about Little Yo!, Uh, Yo is the Pizza Planet truck that shows up in Toy Story, and he actually shows up in pretty much every Pixar movie that comes after that. You get Bugs Life and Monsters University and Finding Nemo, and uh, there's uh, uh, Monsters, Inc., and then he shows up in Cars 2. He just drops in in all these little places all throughout the movies. And then last week, we talked about how the Little Mermaid, Frozen, and... Tangled, are all connected. Uh, Last week we looked at this. You see Eugene and and, uh, Rapunzel, they get married, and then something happens. They show up at at Elsa's coronation day. Uh, There's Eugene and and, and, uh, uh, Rapunzel there. Uh, But why did they show up at Elsa's coronation day? Well, uh, a long time ago when uh, Anna and Elsa's parents traveled to go visit. Eugene and Rapunzel, when they got married, their boat crashed, which ended up being the boat that the Little Mermaid visited in her movie. And then, to bring it all full circle, thankfully, Anna and Elsa's mom and dad didn't die. They actually uh, were rescued on an abandoned island, uh, conceived another son whose name was Tarzan, who bears an incredibly striking resemblance to Anna and Elsa. And you've watched all these movies, and you probably didn't know any of that till I just told you. Well, today, today... We're going to talk about maybe the greatest animated movie, to illustrate this today, the greatest animated movie of all time, and that's our friends from the movie Toy Story. Now, there is a huge Easter egg right in the middle of Toy Story. You know what Toy Story is. Toy Story is the story of Andy, and he has these toys that he loves. You can go to the next slide there. He has these toys that he loves, but one of them stands out above all the rest, and that's Woody. Woody stands out above all the rest until Buzz Lightyear enters the scene. And then there's a competition, a struggle between Woody and, and, and Buzz Lightyear for who's going to be Andy's favorite. And then in Toy Story 2, we meet this fun little character, Jessie. I mean, if you guys know Jessie. Jessie is the, uh, she's sort of the, the yin to Woody's yang, if you, if you, if you wanted that. She, she's spunky, she's feisty, she's, she's kind of cutthroat, she's full of energy. And in that movie... The the tension in that movie is there's a toy collector that wants to ship his whole collection of Woody and and Jesse and all their buddies overseas. And Woody wants to go back to Andy. And there's this exchange between Jesse and Woody where where Jesse can't understand why would Woody want to go back? Why would Woody want to go back? Let's go be with this toy collector. And Woody doesn't understand. And so Jesse begins to tell us this heartbreaking story about how she was once loved by a little girl. She went everywhere with that little girl. She would sit on the bed when the little girl would go to school during the day, and she had a cute little room. This is part of the dream. It's not a blurry picture. It's part of the dream. It's just blurry. Bear with me. Until one day, the little girl got too old, and the little girl tragically became a young lady who now gave Jesse away, and it broke Jesse's heart. Now why? Would she have to go through that again? And why would Woody want to go back to Andy? And so there's this exchange that happens between Woody and between Jesse. but the question remains, who is Jesse's original owner? And why would she do this? And if you weren't paying attention, you missed it, because I've already given you the answer. You see, Woody, Belongs to Andy, you can put the next slide up there, who happens to have a hat that is not Woody's hat, but it's another character in the story. You see, Andy doesn't have Woody's hat, his favorite character. He actually has an old hat that resembles Jesse's hat. And so, actually, the original owner for Jesse was Andy's mom, Emily. Emily. And somehow or another, through the course of her giving that doll away, one time when she was 18 years old headed off to college, she left the hat behind. And Andy got a hold of that hat probably when he got Woody because his mom found. And Jesse originally belonged to Emily. Now that is an Easter egg, a colossal Easter egg for us. You'll never watch those movies the same again, I promise. But how does that relate? to scripture. I mean, that's a cool story. But how does that relate to the Bible? Well, what we've said through the series is there are all kinds of glimpses, there are all kinds of Easter eggs through the Bible that point us to one thing and one thing only. They foreshadow what is to come because the entire Bible is about one thing, and that is Jesus. That's the whole point of the Bible, the whole focus of the Bible, the whole aim of the Bible is Jesus Christ. And the last two weeks, we've looked at these Old Testament passages that foreshadowed what was coming in Jesus. And today, we're, gonna, we're not going to jump into the Old Testament, we're going to jump right into the New Testament. Because there's an Easter egg after Jesus' resurrection That is there for each and every single one of us today. That we've probably read it. You've probably heard this passage taught Easter after Easter after Easter. But there is a hope and there is a promise for every single one of us. And what you're going to find is just like the fear that Jesse had, you probably are going to identify with her a lot more today than what you thought if you know her character. So, you can take out your Bible app. You can take out your Bible. If you don't have either uh, of those, all the... Uh, the verses we're going to read today are going to be on the screen. I'm going to be in John chapter 20. And what I want to do is I want to set a little context for us a little bit. I just, I, just wanna, what's the, I just want us to get a glimpse of where we're headed today. In John chapter 20, this is, this is right after the resurrection of Jesus, the passage that we're going to look at today. And what has happened at the beginning of John 20 is Mary Magdalene has gone to the tomb. She's seen the stone rolled away. It's amazed her. She's run back. She didn't go in. She ran back to tell the rest of the disciples. Peter and John ran to the tomb, looked in the empty tomb, saw the empty tomb, and left and went home. Meanwhile, Mary Magdalene was there at the tomb, and she was weeping. And two angels showed up. And after the two angels showed up, Jesus showed up. And he made this powerful statement. He, he told Mary to go back and tell the rest of the disciples, that she had seen him. And Mary does that. She goes back to the disciples, and she tells them what she saw. She tells them that Jesus had spoken with her. And we pick this story up, this Easter egg up, right in the middle of this passage. So I'm going to be in John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 19. John 20, 19 says this, Then, again, you got to remember what just took place, Then. The same day, so this all happened in the morning, and this is now in the evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were ascended, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. That night after Peter and John had already gone to the tomb and saw the empty tomb, after Mary had had seen the resurrected Jesus, and he said, go tell my disciples. And she went and told them, they find themselves that night locked in a room in fear. And Jesus, Jesus shows up in the midst of all of that. After everything that they've seen, after everything they've experienced, after everything they've heard that day, they're still living in fear that night. And here's what I want to tell you, because each and every one of us, if we got totally transparent and totally honest with one another, each and every one of us are here today. We have walked in today carrying some kind of fear. We're fearful of tomorrow. We're fearful of the conversations the people we're going to see at lunch today. We're fearful of the decisions that could end up being made about our jobs, every single one of us. From the youngest of us to the oldest of us, we carry fears. We walk around in fears. And this passage gives us a a glimpse, an Easter egg, a, a future for us in Jesus Christ. First thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, is this. We see this in this passage in John 20, is that Jesus steps into the middle of our fears. Jesus steps into the middle of them. These guys were huddled up. These were Jesus' closest friends. And he just shows up right in the middle of their fears. You know, I have a son. I have four kids. Uh, We had our second oldest turn 10 yesterday, but my son is my youngest. He's three and a half. He'll be four in August. Um, He is, man, he's amazing. Uh, If if you're around for five minutes after service today, you'll meet him because he's like a Tasmanian devil at this place after, after church is over with. But over the last few months, he's gotten scared at bedtime. Now, how many of you guys, you got kids, you know, they get a little, a little scared, a little freaked out at bedtime? And, and what he wants from his dad, he's not into the whole, hey, check my bed for monsters and all that stuff. What he wants from his dad when he gets scared is he comes to me at bedtime and he says, Daddy, I say, yeah, buddy, will you nuggle with me? Will you will you snuggle with me, Daddy? It's snuggle, just in case you're you're slow on kid kid lingo there. Will, will you snuggle with me, Daddy? And I mean, who? Okay, you twist my arm long enough, I'll come do it, you know. And I come in there and I, and I snuggle up with him, and just within a few minutes, man, he's out out like like now. Now he's gotten smart enough that he wakes up in the middle of the night and he realizes that Daddy's not there, so he's guilting me about that as well for getting up and and walking away. But what's he need? His fear is real. What does he need? He needs me to step into the middle of that fear for him. And that's what Jesus does for us. He steps into the middle of our fears and shows up, and he's with us. And I want to tell you today that you are not alone. You are absolutely, you may feel alone, but you are not alone because Jesus has stepped into the middle of your fear. He is there with you, and he promises that he will be with us in the midst of our fears, every single one of us. And I love what verse 19 says, because verse 19 gives us the answer. You see, the answer for Cody is for me to snuggle with him. That's the answer for Cody. But what's the answer for us? The answer is in verse 19, says this, and he said to them, notice this, peace be with you. It's the first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples as a group after he... After the resurrection, peace be with you. And so the second thing I want you to write down is this, is that Jesus speaks the answer to our fears. He's not only with us, he's not only present with us, but he actually speaks the answer. And the first word that he spoke to his group of disciples when he gathered with them is the word peace. And he spoke the word, the Jewish word, the Hebrew word, shalom. Peace be with you with you. And I love Jesus. I love Him. I love His response to adversity. I love how different He responds to situations. You know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't show up and go, poof. Hey, boys, what's up? Jesus didn't show up and say, hey, guys, what's it been, like three days since we hung out? Hey, Peter, you hungry? What's for dinner tonight? Maybe a little chicken, cock You know, He didn't do that. Hey, Anybody seen Judas? Is he not hanging around with you guys anymore? I mean, Jesus didn't step in. You'll get that later. You'll hit it at lunch. You'll be like, hanging around. Oh, yeah. Man, that was, Anyway, you'll get it. I promise. It'll come to you. Just just ask your neighbor. They'll tell you later. Um, Jesus didn't step up in the middle of their fears and speak condemnation. He didn't step into the middle of their fears and speak judgment. Why did you make the decisions that you made? When I needed you the most, you abandoned me. He stepped into the middle of their fears, and he said, peace be with you. You see, Jesus is the answer to our fears because he is peace. Ephesians 2.14 says this, for he himself is our peace. For he, Jesus Christ, himself is our peace. But he doesn't just tell us that he's his peace. I love what Jesus does here. I love the intimacy of Jesus. I love the, 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 the creativity of Jesus. Watch what Jesus does. Verse 20, he says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When he had said this, peace be to you, I can imagine there might have just been a collective, that happened on the disciples. Because Jesus showed up. He was the answer to their fear. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Just like when I step into that room after I tell Cody, hey, hey buddy, yeah, you go lay down and I'll come nuggle with you in just a minute. And I come in there and he smiles real big. He's glad. Because he knows that in that moment, I'm going to nuggle with him. And he's going to curb his fear. And that's a microcosm to the fear that we carry in our life. It's a microcosm to the fear that grips us, that cripples us, that disables us from loving people, from having relationships with people, from even potentially stepping into a relationship with Jesus because fear of what you've done in your past. So not only does does Jesus show up in the middle of our fears, not only does he Speak into our fears and speak the answer, but Jesus is the evidence, and the evidence of Jesus combats our fears. Jesus says, peace be to you, and by the way, here's my hands, and here's my side. Peace be to you. Here's the the wounds. Peace be to you. I was dead, but now I'm alive, because Jesus is the evidence. And you say, well, where's Jesus today? I mean, I might believe in this Jesus guy if, you know, yeah, he showed up. I mean, that's easy. I want you to look around the room. This is the evidence of Jesus for us in our life today. The people of God gathering together. Because everybody in this room, oh man, you got your, you got your, your brand new Gap-On that you went shopping for this week. Some of you, you got your Stitch Fix on. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking good. And we got it all put together on the outside, but deep down inside of us, we are broken. Every one of us, me included, we are broken. We are prideful. We are worried about tomorrow. We are fearful that 2017 could be potentially as devastating as 2016 was in your life. Every single one of us Carry that every single day. And yet, as broken, as, as disturbed as we can be, we gather together. We have community with one another. We carry one another's burdens. And I have seen that so many times in this body, in this group of people. Where we lift one another up and we walk with one another and that is the evidence. I mean, Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men. We are the evidence of the work of Jesus Christ to each and every one of us. And I love what happens in this passage, because they move from being fearful to being full of joy and awe. And I bet A lot of us would like to leave here today full of joy and full of awe, and you might say, well, if you'd finish this message real quick, I'd leave with joy and awe. Um, But the resurrection impacts our fears. And that impact changes our life, because while we still may wake up tomorrow, And we still may have this fear in our life. While we may wake up tomorrow and still carry around some worry or some anxiety, look what happens next. Jesus says this in verse 21. He says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. He reminds them, hey, boom, I've showed up. Peace to you. Here's my evidence. And now I'm going to say it again. Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And I love this picture of intimacy. I mean, this is not like morning breath, Jesus breathing on them. This is Holy Spirit empowering that he breathes on them. You know, the picture that we get of Jesus from this is closeness. Now, I I could call one of you up right now. And before I call you up, I could, and you're not going to feel that. But if I called you up and put you right next to me and did the same thing, and I breathed on you, you would feel that. And that's the picture that we get here, that Jesus is close enough to our fears. He breathed on them. And so here's the fourth thing is that Jesus empowers us to live for him despite our fears. Jesus empowers us to live for him despite our fears. And here's the, here's the funny thing about this passage is there is no evidence that, that their fears were gone. As a matter of fact, one chapter later in John chapter 21, at the opening of this chapter, you know what we find Peter doing? Fishing. Jesus said, I am sending you as the Father has sent me. Holy Spirit, wind blowing on them. And the next chapter, Peter's back to doing what he does best. There's no evidence here that Jesus removed their fears. But he empowered them to live despite their fears. You know, last year we bought a house with a swimming pool. And um, one of the things we did when we first moved in was we threw Cody in so he'd know, like, hey, this is what happens when you fall in the pool with no swimmy, You know, we were right there to catch him and pull him out. But as he as got a little bit more comfortable, you know, he decided that he wanted to j- learn how to jump from the side. His, his sisters had done it. We'd had friends over. They, they saw him doing it. Uh, he saw them doing it. And he decided, hey, I, I want to I wanna stand on the edge. And I can't tell you how many times he would just stand there and look. And this was the shallow end. I mean, he could see the bottom. But he would stand there and look. And it didn't matter how many times his sisters tried to coax him to do it. It didn't matter that friends his same age would come over and do it, fearless. Cody would just stand on the side. And he would just look. And he was trying to muster it up enough. And it wasn't until I came alongside of him. I said, hey, buddy. Watch dad do it. And I jumped. And then I turned around and looked at him and said, you can do it. You see, I didn't take away his fear. His fear was still there. His fear was, was okay, that, that's, that's a distance and i got to jump and I'm going to go in. And, and Oh, but dad's there. And I've seen him do it. And he's not taking away my fear, but, but he is present, and he's speaking into my fears. And I've seen the evidence of him do it, so if he can do it, I can do it. And you see, Jesus lived a perfect life. He fought religion at every turn. He was unlawfully arrested and tried. He was brutally beaten. He hung on a cross between two criminals. He died. He fought death. He fought sin. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He rose on the third day and now says, I did it. You don't have to fear. I did it. You don't have to fear. I died so you can live. I died and gave myself up for your anxiety. The fear that grips you of this this sense of being betrayed by a loved one or a former spouse or a parent. Yeah, Jesus says I was betrayed. I was betrayed by my closest friends. This fear of not being understood because you feel like you're you're just different. It's just countercultural. And just, just wherever you go, just people look at you and you're just like, I don't get you. Jesus says, yep, got that one too. Jesus says, I did it, I went ahead of you, I took the plunge, I defeated sin, and I defeated death, and Jesus empowers us in the midst of our fear, in spite of our fear, to live our life. And so I don't know what your fear is today I don't know what you've walked in here carrying. I don't know what you've walked in here burdened by, worried about. I don't know if it's a, it's a divorce that you feel like, man, my marriage is in shambles. I don't know if it's you've got aging kids and you're about to be an MC nester and, and, and you're worried that your kids are going to move out and they're going to forget about you and they're not going to call and they're not going to text or not going to come visit. I don't know if it's just, man, you're fearful like, hey, I came to church today and I don't know what's going to happen and, you know, just hope nothing weird goes on. I don't know what you're fearful of, but i tell you what mine is. I tell you just a moment of transparency, peeling it back. You know what my fear is? My fear is living an ordinary life and having no lasting impact on the people that matter the most to me. That's, that's my fear. That's my fear. That when it comes to, to my tombstone, people will have to stand around and scratch their heads and go, man, we don't know what to put on there because he just lived an ordinary life. And Jesus says, hey, I'm in the midst of your fear. I'm the answer for your fear. I'm the evidence of the fear that you carry that you don't have to live in that fear anymore. And you don't have to be bound by that fear. You are empowered to live because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this powerful statement in John 14. He says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, again, fleeting peace, momentary peace, superficial peace, environmental peace that we have. Not not as the world gives you, do I give to you. And then he says this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's been said that the greatest thing to fear is fear itself. I don't believe that. I think the greatest thing to fear is listening to a message like this, knowing what Easter means, the real purpose of Easter, that it's not about Easter eggs and candy and all that kind of goes with it. But it's listening to this truth And then walking away and not putting your life in the hands of Jesus. I think the greatest thing to fear is not fear itself. I think the greatest thing to fear is not having your relationship right with God. Not taking that step. And you may say, you know, hey, look, man, I'm too bad. I, I got too much anxiety in my life. There's too much depression going on for me right now. My marriage is too broken. I've got an addiction in my family. I'm addicted to too much stuff. I'm just too bad. And the hope that maybe you and I can all take from this passage of Scripture is that, yeah, you may be bad. And you may have some stuff that Jesus needs to work on in your life. But let me tell you this. These words that Jesus spoke to these men in this room on this night all came after a few days that happened before. When they were gathered with him and Peter looked at him and said, I'll never betray you, Jesus. And just a few hours later, that's the chicken joke. The rooster crowed three times. And Peter had denied him three times. They all fled. Nobody stuck around. Matter of fact, one guy even hung himself over the betrayal of Jesus. And so no matter what anxiety you have in your life, no matter what fear you have in your life, no matter what level of depression you're carrying, no matter what fear you have about the the state and the quality of your marriage or your job or your future, you have never sat across from the table of the maker and the creator and the sustainer of the universe and then a few hours later said, I don't know him. And yet Jesus steps into this moment in the midst of their greatest fear, in the greatest moment of their anxiety in the greatest moment where their life was on the line, and he says, peace be to you. So if he says it to them, I can make you a promise. He says it to you today. Peace be to you. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is, he was, and he will forever be our peace. Ephesians 2.17 says this, and he came, that's Jesus, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near. Again, his peace is for everyone. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I just, I want to give you an opportunity today. And again, if you've sat in Easter services, hopefully every Easter service you've ever sat in, there's a guy that stands up here and does this. But like I said earlier, I think the greatest fear is not fear itself. I think it's not being right with God. And I can't think of a better day, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, to say, hey, you know what? I want to get that right, I want to be at peace with God.